the Mike Meets London Tastemakers podcast. In this episode, I chat to Charles Tyler, the director of Paladar, a modern Latin American restaurant near Elephant and Castle, and one of my favourite spots to visit. We talk about how Charles got into the hospitality game, including how he swore off ever working in restaurants again, how they want Paladar to help fight the negative images of Latin America that people hold, and how they pretty much accidentally ended up as a 100% gluten-free restaurant. We're caught up in the restaurant itself, so there's a bit of a background buzz. Enjoy! So, I'm here with Charles, director of Paladar London. Uh, we're here near Elephant and Castle kind of area, and why don't you kick us off by telling us a bit about what Paladar is, what's the elevator pitch? Um, yes, well, um, Paladar, um, everyone says, what is the cuisine here? Um, the answer is very simple, it's creative Latin American. Why creative? Um, because our food is not traditional, it's not Peruvian, it's not Colombian, it's not Argentinian. It is Latin American, it's the spirit of Latin America. The ingredients and flavours are authentic, and the Latinos who come here get that. Um, but the, it's, it's not traditional, uh, and I think the Latinos in particular that come here are always amused and amazed <laughs> at what they, uh, what they uh, eat, because um, it's nothing like they've actually right. had before, and yet they recognize it mm. all. So for, I think for uh, the average English person who probably doesn't know too much about Latin American cuisine, uh, it's, it's, it's delicious, but I don't think they uh, necessarily uh, get the full intricacies of what's going on. Oh, very nice. Um, so, we're obviously going to deep dive into things here a bit, but sort of winding back the clock slightly, what kind of led you to get into the, the sort of restaurant business and the hospitality sort of scene? Aha, uh-huh, yes. Well, um, I, my first restaurant I had when I was living in Malaysia, which was called um, Champo Champo, uh, and that was in the island of Langkawi. And um, uh, we run that quite successfully for four years. But I, I came back to the UK. And our chef, who's a business partner, uh, also subsequently came to the UK and we decided to set up a sort of urban version okay. of Champo Champo right here in London, uh, which we did, uh, seems an awfully long time ago now, <laughs> back in uh, 2000, and we found uh, a location which everybody thought we were completely loopy opening in, which was uh, Western Street. Uh, just at the back of Guy's Hospital. Right, at that yeah. time, it was all very uh, sort of grungy around there, a little bit scary almost. <laughs> now, of course, uh, it's just around the corner from the Shard and the main entrance of yeah. Station, so things have changed a lot. But uh, anyway, we, we, we set up there, and um, it, it, it actually went very well. Uh, we got really, really high ratings for the food and, and the whole concept. Uh, we even ended up in the Zagat's world's best restaurant guide oh, wow, which I talked about. Anyway, after 11 crazy years there, uh, and we doubled the size of the restaurant, we took the shop right next door, we, we, we sold. I think it's just time for us to move on, really. Right. Um, and my business partner uh, landed on his feet and got a job as the presenter of uh, MasterChef Malaysia, actually. Oh, wow. Very nice. Anyway, after 11 crazy years, I vowed never to do another restaurant again. <laughs> uh, it's far too uh, exhausting and time-consuming. Uh, I had suddenly went into the, the travel business with an old school friend of mine. We, we set up a, a very high-end, bespoke travel company uh, focusing on Latin American experiences, uh, which was really interesting. Um, I had many fascinating research trips, please note, <laughs> not holidays, they are research trips, uh, to um, several countries across Latin America. Um, I didn't know too much about Latin America, actually, and 
it was a real eye-opener to me. I discovered some fantastic, the, the wines, uh, some of the food, the experiences, mm. the people, the hospitality. It's, it's just amazing. Anyway, uh, sadly, um, the, the business went well, but uh, we uh, couldn't really work together. So uh, I sold out to him and uh, then was left again wondering what to do. Mm. Uh, and I have various Latino friends here, uh, including uh, Chef Jose, who is, who is our, our head chef now, and Yaline, who is actually our front of house manager. Mm. He's Cuban. Uh, so they were egging me on to do... Uh, a Latin American restaurant. Right. Uh, I said absolutely no. Of course uh, not. Sworn not to ever do Sworn again. never to another <laughs> restaurant again. So, but we did look at the idea of doing um, a wine-led, focusing on the wines of Latin America, a wine-led uh, sort of small place where one could have little nibbles as well. Right, right. But focusing on the wines, really, and, the wi- and coupled with a wine shop, and to really push wines of South America and Latin America, which I think are rather underrated. We nearly signed a lease on um, a location actually at London Bridge, but uh, the landlord was very restricted. We pulled out. I found in the meantime this location here, uh, which for the same money we got four and a half times more space and a garden. (laughs) So we decided to go for it here, and of course it became a restaurant. Mm. (laughs) So my um, swearing blind I would never do another restaurant again uh, was. but here we are. Best laid plans. Yeah, <laughs> so that's yeah. how Paladar came into being. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I was kind of going to ask what the sort of, I guess, trigger for sort of going to the opposite end of the world in terms of cuisine and like influence was, but obviously... Uh... Well, I, I think, yes, but it, it, it's, um, it's also something to do with fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, I think back in 2000, uh, creative Asian food was very much in mm. vogue. And I think we hit the, the sort of the spot there but perhaps it might be regarded as a little passe almost today I don't know Um, Latin American is I think very much what is up and coming at the Mm, moment Uh, there are still not that many Latin American restaurants in London um, but there seem to be several more um, since we started (laughs) which is interesting yeah Uh, that's that's another thing I was going to kind of grill you on is obviously I guess you've got like your, your roots in the sort of Latin American business and you have uh, obviously your, your business partners and your friends here who have that kind of background, but what do you think sets you apart, I guess, from the, the competition on the scene, both sort of other Latin American restaurants or other restaurants generally? Well, I think one of our USPs is that our drinks list and our wine list mm. are exclusively Latin American. Right, right. Um, all of the spirits, all of the wines, beers, Everything's from Latin America. Uh, I don't think that there's any other hmm. uh, restaurant that does that, as far as I'm aware. I, I, I don't know why, but it seems to me that Latin Americans seem to almost look down on their own wines and seem to think that uh, European wines are better. I, I, I hmm. dispute that. Uh, <laughs> I think bang for your buck, uh, wines coming out of Chile and Argentina hmm. offer fantastic value for money hmm. at the moment. Um, so, I mean, that, that's one of the things that sets us apart. I suppose another is the actual um, food itself. Um, it is a fusion. Uh, mm. I use the F word there. <laughs> um, but it is effectively a fusion. And as long as it's you know, not a confusion, I think that's great. And I'm, I'm all for that. I'm all for mixing and, mm. and um, matching. I'm not a purist at all. Sure. Um, the other thing is uh, we want to be more than just a restaurant. 
we want to be a sort of centre of excellence for Latin America and to show that you know, it's not all just bad news that comes out of Latin America, which is all we seem to hear about on the news. Indeed, and, yeah. uh, whether it's you know, um, volcanic eruptions or earthquakes or drugs or mm. violence or economic collapses, it all seems to be there in Latin America. But, but there are also there's a good side to it as well. So, you know, we, we want to showcase the best of Latin America here, not just the food, the wine, the cocktails, the hospitality, the music, the mm. art, uh, you know, we just want to try to show that this is a place where, you know, th th there's a whole side to the, 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 this content that people don't know about too much. Of course, yeah. It's a, it's a discovery, I think. Mm, yes, that's a good way of putting it. And as I said, we're sort of surrounded by some lovely art, and there's, yeah, the, the wine shop through the door over yes. there, which has obviously survived from your first kind of business idea. That's right, yeah. yes, absolutely right. And how's the reception been uh, for that in this kind of area, I suppose? Uh, to be honest, the wine shop, we, we don't really sell a lot of wine retail. Sometimes guests, uh, if they've had a particularly nice bottle of wine, at, you know, we, we encourage them to you know, mm. buy a bottle to take away afterwards. Uh, uh, weekends, yeah, we get a few locals dropping in. During the COVID time, during the lockdowns, uh, yes, we were just operating the wine shop at some mm. point. It, uh, didn't really um, make an awful lot of right. um, uh, money for us, but at least it kept us out of trouble and gave us something to do, uh, better than twiddling your thumbs and watching Netflix at home. <laughs> well said, well said, yeah. Um, and I guess one of the other kind of, I guess, things that people would see as a, a key selling point is that you're 100% gluten-free as well on the food. Here. That is true, yes. Uh, and that has been, you know, quite an interesting um, and successful uh, mm. USP for us. That all started back in November, December 2017, just after we'd opened, when we, we were looking at uh, you know, Christmas menus and office parties. Right, right. And there always seemed to be you know, um, special diet requirements, allergies. And, and we noticed a lot of people were saying, oh, we're gluten intolerant or celiac. Right. So we realized that with just a few tweaks, we could make the whole menu 100% gluten-free, oh. and the whole problem um, <laughs> just goes away. So that's, that's how it all started, and we, we've then been gluten-free ever since. Mm. Uh, I imagine, as a result, yeah, you have a reasonably dedicated following. I mean, I, I don't think many, well, gluten-free restaurants are still sort of few and far between, I think, is that right? Um, yeah, I think they, they're, they're more and more restaurants mm. that are very aware of the, the, the gluten intolerance problem. But in terms of specifically gluten-free, probably not that many, you're right. But um, no, the, the, the reason um, we can be uh, gluten-free so easily mm. is because um, a lot of our dishes are based on corn, maize, right, right. rather than wheat. Uh, that is, of course, because you know, a lot of corn is grown, uh, in, mm. especially in the Andes. Uh, uh, we do also, I mean, some, some, of our, some of our dishes, for example, the purple corn churros, are made from purple corn, mm. which is something which we don't see very often. Indeed, again. yes. Very uh, a unique uh, drawing point, indeed. Mm. So we touched on it a couple of times, or alluded to it, but um, I've obviously been asking people about sort of their experience in the sort of COVID era and how the pandemic's affected them. Um, and sort of how has the last sort of year or two been for you here at Paladar? Uh, well, it's been interesting and difficult. I mean, stopping and starting, uh, especially at relatively short notice, mm. is uh, 
not uh, the best way to run a restaurant. We want you know continuity and you know, a, a sort of regular flow. Um, so yes, the, the, the stops and starts were particularly awkward, I have to say. I think we uh, were very fortunate. Um, I mean, we, we definitely are very fortunate to have had the garden. Mm. And that's really been our saviour. And in fact, um, when we reopened uh, on the 12th of April this mm. year, we were just, it was, it was just madness. I mean, uh, never known anything like it. Uh, people just uh, wanting tables at any time that we could <laughs> possibly fit them in. Right, uh, right, yeah. And it, it, it was... Um, it's an extraordinary six weeks. Um, we, we were short of staff, uh, yeah. and uh, we were just running like crazy. But, but we, we did it, uh, yeah. and it was. Um, I think a lot of people are very happy to have uh, been able to experience that. So we, we do have the wine shop, and um, during the first lockdown, we actually reopened uh, the wine shop and started doing some takeaway and collection food as well, uh, relatively early. I wouldn't say that either of them was uh, a, a huge uh, mm. success in financially, but um, it did, uh, I think, bring some awareness mm. um, to the local area around here because the weather was very good and a lot of people, there were quite a lot of people walking around right. uh, and sort of, um, you know, to walk down a completely deserted street and find a shop, oh, this is a shop that's open. <laughs> <laughs> um, and. We heard from several people, you know, well, we, we live just around the corner and we never knew you were here. Right, right. So I think it did um, bring some awareness to the local community that we, we actually yeah. exist, so that was interesting. Yes, interesting times. I, I hope we won't, uh, you know, have to go through all this again. Um, Fingers crossed. Yes. <laughs> I, you know, there have been some strange uh, upsides to it as well. It made us get rid of the tablecloths. That was a good thing. Um, <clears throat> and we've gone, you know, cashless. That was a good thing as well. It makes it much easier to operate without a cash till. So, you know, there have been some pluses as well, some no. sort of silver linings, I might yeah. say, um, but yes. Insofar as there can be an upside, you know, right. found mm -hmm. some, some opportunities to do. Yeah. Well, uh, apart from kind of weathering what remains of the storm and like sort of whatever the yeah, coming months bring from that sort of side of things, do you have any sort of grand plans or things in the pipeline for Paladar in the coming months and years? Uh, what we want to do right now is finish off the project here at London Road. Uh, we have a, a basement area which is not properly utilised. That's our immediate target to get that completed. There's also the rather fanciful idea of having a fully retractable uh, roof over the oh, garden. Right, We've sure. got a temporary roof at the moment, uh, but that's, that's just made of rather <laughs> nasty um, corrugated plastic. Mm. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, I think a, a fully um, openable and closable uh, roof would be a great idea. Mm, um, so that's, that's something else we'd like to do here on this site. Beyond that, we are toying with the idea at the moment, and we have been scouting out a few possible sites for some smaller versions of oh. Paladar. Now, it probably won't, it will not be called Paladar, there'll only ever be one Paladar. But we're looking at something, uh, the opposite extreme of what we do here. We are a destination restaurant here. We run on reservations and we offer a really special uh, experience. Mm. What we're looking for is something much smaller in high footfall areas right. where we can bring the same uh, sort of range of wines, cocktails right. and some of our 
nibbles. Mm. More like, I think, what we had originally planned to do in the sense of having a more of a drinks-led offering. Um, probably more sort of like around bars with a few tables, that sort of thing. And we could easily see that we could do uh, a lot of the food preparation here right, uh, at right, the mothership, as it were, <laughs> and feed the satellites from that. Yeah, um, that's our current thinking. Mm. Um, nothing's going to happen this year. Uh, let's see where we are when we get 2022. <laughs> yeah, it's not the, uh, not the best time to be kind of going in on a big investment, I suppose, with the uncertainty in the air. Well, I think, you know, what we want to do is to get the, uh, the, the, the site here maximised and working right, properly. Right, right. Amazing. Do you, uh, and this might be giving things away, but do you have any particular sort of areas that you're eyeing up or where that might be? Or? Um, I think I'd like to stay south of the river, yes. Within, within striking distance of Paladar so that we can, we can supply the, you know, the satellites from here, but um, not so close that we're sort of um, cutting off our own <laughs> of sort of feet. Yeah. Makes sense, makes sense. So we were talking a bit about the menu before. I was wondering whether you had uh, a particular favourite or a go-to that you, uh, you order when you're eating here. So when I'm eating here, mm. um, I suppose um, my favourite, favourite dish, and it never fails, is the tuna tostada. Mm. I mean, that's definitely my number one. The, the, I think the, the churros are a great dish. Mm. Um, I try not to eat too many sweet things, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, the churros are great. The, uh, you know, some of the dishes are evergreens on our list, mm. uh, like those. Uh, some dishes uh, change seasonally. And um, I think one of the other dishes that I've really enjoyed, that's, I think probably it may be going to end, sadly, at the end of this month, is the, uh, uh, the lamb and the kutos. Right, right. Oh, fantastic. Uh, I, I know what you mean about the sort of uh, trying not to indulge too much in the sweet things, but I know whenever I come here, it's hard to avoid ordering when there's a dessert platter on the menu. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, uh, my eyes are instantly drawn to it, and that's, that's always definitely a good part of the meal. So, leaving Paladar aside then, um, do you have any sort of favourite haunts or places you'd like to get out and about to uh, in London town? Um, well, you know, I'm one of those sort of um, people that likes to sort of surf around and try to... It's not that often I go back to the same restaurant mm. um, on, a, on a regular sort of basis. So I'm one of these very disloyal sort of people. <laughs> um, there's, there's a few places that I've been to recently that I, I think are, that are... I, I would go back to. I, I particularly enjoyed a visit I made recently to Kudu oh, in, yes, um, yes. in Peckham. Uh, it's interesting, they're sort of doing, to, to some extent, the same sort of thing that we're doing here. They've taken South African cuisine and sort of modernised it. Mm. But uh, I thought it was, it was just a really good experience. It was fun, it was buzzy, the food was great, and um, yeah, that, that's, that's somewhere I would definitely go back to. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, no, uh, we uh, we visited there not too long ago. We uh, we were particularly, uh, I mean, it's often a weird thing to say, but particularly love the bread. As the, as yes, the no, I love the bread as yeah. well. Yes, <laughs> uh, really well done there. Um, oh, perfect! And uh, another sort of maybe slightly trickier question that I've been asking people is: uh, Do you have uh, an inkling or a prediction for what might be the sort of next big trend to hit the London food scene? Like what's on the horizon? I don't know, it's, it's difficult to say. Um, uh, London's a strange place and, uh, you know, things kind of go. Uh, I think experience is what it's all about. Mm. I mean, the, the 
the idea of going out for a meal seems terribly passe to me. Right. Um, you want more than just a meal now. Uh, I think you'd want, you know, it, it's sort of a, a total experience and perhaps something more than a meal. Certainly it's something that we're looking at and thinking about for Christmas parties of right. how can we give more than just a meal. I mean, a good restaurant will always be uh, a dining experience anyway. But I think, you know, we can look at something more than that. And we've been experimenting with this, for example, with certain office groups. Um, mm. uh, I've done some, uh, a little presentation on Latin American wines. Right, right. Talked a little bit about the, uh, the background and the, the geography and what makes Latin American wines different and special. And then they'll sit down to the meal and they'll have some of the wines that we right. were talking about and, and perhaps from some of the countries that you don't expect mm. to produce wine like Brazil and Mexico and Peru and countries like this. So. Oh, great. Yeah, no, uh, it definitely adds an extra kind of yeah, dimension to the experience. Yes, yes. Uh, is, is there, and this, this is a question I guess specifically to you, has the wine shop here obviously, but is there a particular favourite wine that you often find yourself sort of recommending or... Or sampling yourself, I suppose. <laughs> um, there are lots of wines. I'm sure there are many. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, in, in the summer, I quite enjoy our Pais Viejo from southern Chile. I'm sure many of your listeners won't have heard of Pais. Uh, Pais is a great variety, which I didn't know much about before mm. either. It was the original mission grape, which the uh, conquistadors took across mm. uh, and planted to, you know, for their own consumption purposes and of course of communion course. wine. Uh, <laughs> and that grape variety um, is planted widely throughout Mexico, even down to Peru, and especially in Chile. And a lot of southern Chile is planted with pice. Most of that pice is made, it, it, it's, to be honest, it's not a great variety that makes great wine. It's very hardy and therefore it's easy to transplant. But it, um, most of it's pretty basic wine, <laughs> jug wine as they right, call it. Right. But there have been some producers now who've taken old vines and uh, are producing some really good wine from it. And um, I, I think uh, it's a very light wine. It's a little bit like Pinot Noir. Uh, you can drink it slightly chilled. And mm. I think in the summer, it's a, it's a lovely, a lovely um, wine. It's one that we recommend people should try as part of the discovery mm. here at, uh, at Paladar. Uh, fantastic and good for us uh, clinging on to the summer days <laughs> as yes. well. Perfect. Well, in that case, I thank you very much for taking the time to chat to me. And uh, yeah, well, I'm looking forward to coming back for a, a full meal again in the not too distant future. <laughs> Great. Thanks. Thank you very Thanks. much. Thank you. Yeah, and there you have it. Thanks so much again to Charles for chatting with me and to the team at Paladar for looking after us. I honestly recommend this place to everyone, so do give it a look if you get the chance. And I'll include links to their socials in the show notes as always. You can find me on Instagram at Mike Eats London or follow the pod at Mike Meets London. If you enjoyed the episode, please do subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you feel like it, drop me a little review as well. Any reviews help me reach a wider audience, so they're greatly appreciated. See you next time. <laughs>